Hi, I'm Shreen Fatek, and you're listening to Making Marketing by Digiday. Every week, I talk to executives who are changing the marketing playbook for the industry one decision at a time. This week, what does it really mean to be a DTC brand? Lisa was one of the first mattress brands to compete with Casper in the direct-to-consumer space, but the company branched out from being DTC almost immediately. Today, Lisa is sold in West Elm on Amazon and its own retail store, as well as online. CEO and co-founder David Wolf joins me on the episode to discuss going omnichannel finding alternatives to Facebook and Instagram, and building brand purpose into its story. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Hi, welcome to Making Marketing. Thank you for having me. We're so excited to have you. So I wanted to start with what may seem like a silly question, but what I'm very interested in, which is, do you call yourself a direct-to-consumer company? No, I don't think... I think it's been a long time since we've called ourselves... I mean, I think the term D to you know, D to C is, um, is, is used a lot in planning and it's used a lot within the company, mm-hmm. but, uh, externally, I don't think it's a, a term that consumers feel, um, they, they, they don't even particularly understand and it's not really relevant to <laughs> the way they It's one of those inside baseball kind of, we know what we, it's, so it, to me, the interesting thing about DTC is it's less sort of a, Okay, this is the strategy of the company and more sort of a shorthand that explains at least to people in the industry or in other industries, okay, can you get a sense of what it is? But what I'm curious about is if that's changed. I mean, since the early days of the company versus today, has kind of how you consider DTC and what you do, has that changed? I I think it has changed. I think, you know, terminology isn't always helpful. Um you know, people talk about digitally native brands. Um, that's more around where you're born uh, in the sort of post-digital era, I suppose, you know, as opposed <laughs> to a legacy type company. Um, so, you know, it has changed dramatically. I think when we started this business, we felt very strongly that there would be an ability to build a, a direct to consumer only business. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, you know, not, not the term D to C, but the way we go to market. And I think it's become more and more apparent that, that, that consumers want to buy where they feel comfortable and we have to be in those channels. So the answer is it has changed dramatically. And one of the reasons it's changed as well is because the so-called D to C environment and the, and the channels through which you market have just become more and more competitive. And so you just have to find different channels, different ways to reach consumers and come up with, you know, differentiated um, branding so that people mm-hmm. understand who you are and you're not just like in the sea of sameness, which kind of happens if you're not careful. I'm kind of fascinated by that idea that, and I think a lot of other brand founders, you know, definitely dabbled in that way of thinking, which at the beginning they said, okay, we, we will create a, let's call it pure D2C business that essentially would be, we will go direct to consumer without the middleman and we'll ship directly. Um, and that happened across various categories, certainly in your category. Um, and then that's that's obviously shifted. I'd like to kind of start almost at the beginning because I'm curious about what kind of the frame of mind and the thought process was at, okay, we're going to launch this company. Um, and then what changed along the way? Let's tell the story of the company and then use that to tell the story of direct-to-consumer. Sure. Well, um, I'm not going to go back too far because yeah, if I, I, you know, I could take you all the way back to the beginning <laughs> of e-commerce or even before it was called e-commerce. Um, but you know, I've been in, in what's called direct-to-consumer marketing today for um, more than 25 years. And, um, and so I, 
I had built up over time a team of people around me who had grown and changed as technology changed. And really, um, technology has driven a lot of the change that we just spoke about and that we will speak about. Because, you know, as it becomes easier and easier for people to access the channels, so people come pouring in. And at the beginning, when we started, I think there were two or three things that were that were different from today. Number one, very few, very few mattress companies. And in almost every category, it always started this way, that there were very few new economy, what I call new economy companies that were coming in into the business and disrupting the old way of doing things. And at that point, the direct-to-consumer channels were wide open. They were affordable. It was relatively, relatively easy. It's never easy to start a company. Do you mean to market but or do you mean to deliver the product? Oh, both actually, both. yeah. Okay. I mean, both both the uh, both the channels to mar- to to actually reach consumers to get them, if you like, into your marketing funnel. Um, if you've got to take a consumer from you know awareness to unaware to aware to interest to engagement and trial, which is what we're all trying to do, that's the kind of funnel that we're taking people down. The cost of getting people from unaware to aware and interest was affordable in almost every industry when there weren't many competitors. And then technology allowed you to do that cost efficiently. So that was the state of play when we started. And um, when we were planning our business, there was pretty well no one in what I would call the new economy. There were a couple of players that were dabbling in direct-to-consumer, but it was mainly legacy companies selling some direct, which companies have always done. Um, I had spent you know, 10, 15 years or more helping large companies go direct and seeing how difficult it was for legacy companies to do that. And I'd also had the opportunity to build a few direct-to-consumer businesses myself. And I had this sort of extraordinary team and we were looking for um, an industry that was ripe for disruption. And quite honestly, I had a terrible experience when my daughter moved to New York going to a a sleep store to buy a mattress. (laughs) and, And I had been in direct-to-consumer selling of sleep products before. Okay. And uh, it just, you know, it, it, it just opened my eyes to this huge opportunity. Mm-hmm. How would how did you sort of characterize the opportunity? Because I think what is what is unique about, about the category is that I think it's one of those where a lot of people probably a decade ago thought, no way, you would never buy, you know, buy that online. That's not happening. Um, but at the same time, it felt like there were sort of seeds of, okay, this is possible. But also, you know, you have that kind of brand purpose that you built in right from the beginning, right? The 10 to 1, you're going to do all of this. What was kind of the frame of mind of how will we create this brand story and this brand, what is the brand story that will enable us to be set apart from others in the industry, but also not even just other companies in your category, just other companies in general because when it comes to social media you're competing against everybody if you're looking at instagram or facebook it's not just other people in your category it's everybody else yeah so um yeah that's a really good question and really interesting so uh i think externally what attracted us about the industry was that first of all it's a huge industry um there are surprisingly um a lot of homes in america buy mattresses every year more than you would think (laughs) Uh, in numbers terms, it's probably 20% of, uh, of homes in America buy, on a, buy, buy a mattress every year. So it's a huge industry. It, it's a big ticket item which makes the cost of acquisition from a business perspective work. Um, and uh, 
consumers were just very, very unhappy with the with the the actual process of going and buying a mattress. Um, you know, particularly uncomfortable for young women in my daughter's case, of going into a store that was largely staffed by men and laying down on a on a bed amongst and then being told try this one, try this one. It just was an uncomfortable experience. And uh, and it didn't make sense. And also, people didn't really know what was in the product. So we actually uh, built five stories that would differentiate us. One was the product story at the time. Uh, one was the value story. One was the customer experience, the whole customer experience. One was a wellness story because today we know that sleep is like one of the th the three, maybe four if you if you count mental uh, health, but. Uh, you know keeping your mind in in gear your body with exercise and and nutrition and and then sleep was the was the sort of great multiplier in in terms of wellness and then finally a social impact story so mm -hmm. we we built five very very well defined very clear stories that we wanted to tell and the social impact story uh, was not an accident we 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 set out from day 1 to say that you know when people look at our company and they measure our success we want them to do it as as much in terms of the impact that we've been able to have. And you know, every night there are you know hundreds of thousands, millions of people, even in this country, who um, who, who sleep lonely. And and the reason why I use the word lonely is that often you know poverty or uh, is one is one of the causes, but also um, abuse and many other issues associated, particularly in in families and even with and, and children, mm -hmm. and um, uh, these are people who feel invisible, who feel like no one cares. And our mission from the start was to say that if we can give people a mattress with humility and they can go to bed at night, which is the most intense time in terms of human emotions, feeling like someone cares, then maybe they'll wake up the next day with their head held a little higher, feeling a little bit better about themselves and feeling like someone cares about them and feeling less invisible and that that will be the first step towards a better yeah. life. And today, 33,000 people every night sleep on a mattress that we've donated. Right. And, and, and so that wasn't an accident, but it wasn't a market employee either. It was, you know, it was starting a company at a point in my life when I had no interest in just building a company sure. to make money. I wanted to make a difference too. I find that really interesting, and I, I forget where I read this, but it was just this morning um, about how sort of what is what really sets. I mean, let's call them DTC brands for short. I know that we we just talked about how they're not really necessarily direct to consumer, but these new brands, these brands that are upending how businesses were traditionally functioning, they have a few characteristics like this. One, I think, is the sense of brand purpose that is not a marketing ploy. It's very much built into the DNA of the company, but it also works because people are looking for more than just let me buy something right now. Let me buy something with purpose. The second one is while these are in most cases really well-established and well-oiled performance marketers, what you can't really measure is that brand story. And that's where things start getting a little more interesting, at least to me, which is you can you build a brand that hits all of those checkpoints and says we're going to be really good at performance marketing we're going to get all the facebook stuff right we're going to get all the instagram stuff right we're going to spend the money where when needed we'll go into tv um but without that brand story to stretch it together that's where it falters where does where do we go from here because i think that there's almost like a formula now of okay let's start a brand let's start it on instagram let's put it in beta but that doesn't really necessarily guarantee success anymore. At least that's my theory, but I'm not sure if that's correct. 
Um, well, if you work it out, <laughs> we've got a job for you. <laughs> um, look, it, it, it is very, very complicated, and it becomes more complicated uh, when you're larger. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of people use a word that, 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 that I don't use, but I use it just to make a point. A lot of people talk about authenticity in terms of the brand message. I hate the word authentic because it, it implies that you have to prove something is real. And 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 so, um, you know, I think if the story is real, the difficulty that you're talking about is one that says, you know, you don't want to go out and, and tell your customers what you're going to do if they buy your product. You really want to have your customers and the community that you're serving talk about what you've already done. And that's the hardest part. Mm. So... Um, so by the time you become a large company and we became a large company for a small business startup, we became a large startup very quickly. By the time that happens, you realize that you haven't really told that story very, very strongly and very efficiently because mm. you didn't want to because you just wanted to go out and help. So now it's the, the challenge really isn't at the beginning. The challenge is later on. How do you take um, the good you've done that you feel good about because it's okay to feel good about doing good. I always tell, you know, our team, it's okay to feel good about doing good. And so now we feel good about what we've done. And how do we now tell that message in a way that seems real? And, uh, and, and that's the difficulty. So um, I, I think that um, there is no magic formula. Um, you, you have to hire the right people. You have to have people coming into the company. One of the things that I ask people um, when I'm interviewing is what was the first time you saw social injustice in your life? Mm -hmm. How did it make you feel and what did you do about it? And then I ask them what inspires them because I'm looking for people who want to come to our company, not just for a job, not just for a lifestyle by the beach, but because they really care about what we're trying to do as a company for our customers and ultimately for the people who we can help as a result of our sales. So it's the building it into your DNA, which is difficult. Mm -hmm. And then the communication, and, and it's a constant challenge. So um, we're working on, our, on, on those stories as we speak to say, you know, how can we tell these stories more, more effectively, more efficiently? Because the truth is that the more mattresses we sell, the more people we can help. We'll be back after this quick break. With the mission of making the web a first-class platform that delivers results, Pantheon is building the world's best web ops platform, one that gives superpowers to web teams, allowing them to take control of their websites and work in an agile fashion to win in the dynamic digital world. With Pantheon, marketers and developers deliver results by iterating quickly, learning and experimenting with their websites in the same way that they do with virtually every other tool in their MarTech and development stacks. Pantheon powers over 285,000 sites, and is trusted by thousands of marketing and development teams around the world. Learn why at pantheon.io/makingmarketing. Now, back to the episode. Let's let's talk a little bit about just in general your marketing strategy here. Um, how would you describe how you advertise yourself and how you communicate that story and how you market yourself? Um, so again, you know, it, it, it changes over time. It's all about storytelling. Ultimately, marketing today is about storytelling. Um, you know, content, um, content market. All these buzz phrases that have come and gone, and you know, but but the reality is, is that you need a very strong story to tell, and then you have to find where your types of consumers. First of all, you have to understand who your target consumer is. So our goal is to uh, define our target. Um, consumer 
find out where they shop and how they shop and what they respond to. How do you do that? Uh, through through research, understanding who's bought from us, and then understanding who the big targets are. I mean, we're a very thoughtful purchase, mm-hmm. even compared to some of our competitors, because of our social impact work, because of the things that we do, because of the quality of our products. Uh, we need people who really care about the products they buy and the companies that they buy from. And we, we, we need people who want to associate with companies like ours, because at the end of the day, you know, it is difficult to differentiate from one mattress to another. We do have a superior product in terms of the quality of the materials that we use, but communicating that is difficult. So, Well, especially in this, it, right now when you type mattress and everyone's bought the same search ads, everyone's doing the same performance marketing. What What's going to be, how are you going to tell what you just said, which is, hey, we've got a better product. Hey, we've got a social impact story when it's almost like the levers are very easy to play around with, yeah. right? So I, I think it's, first of all, it's finding the right people to help tell the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm a, a huge believer in micro-influencers. I think that, you know, when I learned about marketing, we were told that there would be 2,000 people that would we would touch in our lives that would influence us and that we would influence. Now you, you can get 2,000 followers in the morning, like in the first 10 minutes, with the right, everyone's looking for the thing that's gonna hook hook that. So those are not real followers. They're not people that are actually gonna uh, follow, follow your, you, you know, any, any any ideas that you've got. So, you know, we're looking for real people, real customers to tell real stories about their experiences with our product and their experience with, with our company. So that's an important part to it. And then we have to find ch- more efficient channels because, um, you know, it's no secret. Everybody knows that it's becoming more and more difficult to use. It's funny to call them that the traditional digital channels, you know, <laughs> but it is. What a it, world. It, yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's a little bit crazy. And uh, and we are finding partners. You know, one of the things that we've done that you may probably be aware of is that we've very carefully selected a retail partner to work with. Um, uh, we believe very strongly now that um, that there's a renaissance taking place mm-hmm. in retail and that um, younger consumers, and when I say younger, I'm talking about younger than me, uh, you know, consumers uh, in their 20s and 30s uh, actually are, are, are searching out what I call retail experiences, mm-hmm. and um, and I think it's coming back. And I think if you can provide people, um, uh, again, not just a sort of sea of sameness as it relates to retail, but something where when they walk in and they see our products in particular, they feel like they're entering into a more mm-hmm. rested world. That this is, you know, we're striving to help people bring rest into their lives and to. Uh, wake up feeling energized for the day ahead and to want to do good in the world we're striving for all those things and so if we can give people that experience and that's why we've partnered for example with west elm Mm -hmm. which you're probably aware of um and and that's been very very successful for us and indeed i believe for them too that's interesting that you you the way you sort of said that was was fascinating to me because it's almost like yes you're right look everybody knows that everything's getting expensive on facebook and all of that and everyone's looking for not just alternatives, but also just other more efficient ways that work for them while still recognizing that in many ways, Facebook still continues to function as a marketing channel. But I love that physical retail has become in a way that alternative for you. And I'd love to know a little bit more about other digital channels that you're experimenting with, thinking about, think that might be, again, alternatives to keep diversifying that marketing mix. Um, But also then what that thought process was like to say, 
there is a resurgence of retail going on. I believe you call it renaissance. And there's definitely this idea that retail, physical retail died. Is, it's pretty clear that that is not true and it's definitely not happening. It's just evolving. What was the thought process like to say, okay, we want to be in a physical, especially in a category like yours, but this is how we'll do it. We'll do it with a partnership. We won't just go out and open, you know, 150 stores, um, which many other people have done. Yeah. Um, so first of all, you know, for a full disclosure, I'm really excited about retail and the, and the, uh, I'm not going to call it the comeback of retail, but the <laughs> renaissance of retail, the, the changing retail landscape. Um, you know, how it happened and why it happened was, was really pretty interesting. I think that um, it became, as West Elm looked for a mattress partner, um, I think it became clear what kind of brand they are, what kind of people they are, and the brand fit with us is huge. And so we, we look for brand fit. We look for what makes sense for us. Um, it, it, in terms of um, why and, and and what's coming next. I mean, you, there were lots of parts to your question, <laughs> but the piece of what's coming next in terms of digital marketing, I, I think that the key is really to find other companies. We're, we're, we're all struggling to find efficient ways to reach consumers. And I think it, it's going to come from partnerships. It's going to come from finding other companies, not in our category necessarily, but people are aiming at the same consumer where we can combine forces to, to give more of a package of opportunity to consumers mm-hmm. and, and therefore just make, make the, the marketing funnel itself more efficient. I think if you've got, I mean, if you, if you go all the way back, um, there, have been many, there have been many developments over the history of, let's call it marketing, uh, to consumers in various different ways where you take a platform that is reaching consumers in an efficient way and then you allow multiple brands, multiple industries to work together and that eventually becomes an efficient market and I think we have to pioneer in that space. So when mm-hmm. you talk about innovation and Lisa um, and we haven't even mentioned the name of the company <laughs> till now, I've just realized that, but uh, when, when you talk about Lisa um, and, and our products and what we're doing, I think you're going to see as much innovation in the way we market as you will in our products. Both of them are very, very high priorities mm-hmm. in our planning and development right now. I've heard some really interesting kind of, you know, just again, alternatives um, to kind of the big traditional digital players that I just find interesting. I mean, everything from Quora um, and how certain brands are starting to use that. Anything that you're... I don't know, just as a marketer interested in or experimenting with that would be surprising to people or just something that you're even just thinking about? Um, I mean, we're, we're basically lifting every stone right now. So we're looking at the ways we currently market and looking for ways to make them more efficient. Mm-hmm. And we're constantly testing uh, new platforms. So there are some you know, new, I mean, connected television, um, there, there are actually multiple platforms using video formats that, that, that make a lot of sense to us. And you're doing uh, TV. We're doing TV, yeah. What was that decision sort of like, too? That's another one that I just find just interesting because everything sort of came full circle, right? Like, everyone's like, oh, these digital brands are just going to live on Facebook forever. And then why go TV? Um, it came full circle for us, but we've been on TV almost from the beginning. That's yeah. part of my background. So um, uh, I've, I've always... TV is a, is an efficient channel. Um, video in general is an efficient medium for, for for if if you want to communicate a message that where people are going to have to spend 
a thousand dollars or more, mm -hmm. then uh, I, I've always found that video always, and I'm talking about before the digital space, I've always found that the video format, be it on TV or other ways to deliver it, um, is a critical element to that. So it's no great surprise to me that video is such a powerful platform. But, you know, podcasts are, are fascinating too. I mean, you know, we 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 still have it, they live for so long um and they and they come back and so you know we have people buying mattresses using codes that were in podcasts that we did you know huh. 2 3 years ago and um you know every every day it's a surprise to some but not to me because yeah. this is a, a a hugely influential medium that you're that you're in um, that lasts a very long time. So it, there's a there's a huge tale to it. So um, so why TV? Because I've always believed in TV. Mm. Um, it, it is becoming less efficient in our space, and that's just because so many people have gone to it now. You know, I mean, the th the thing about these these channels is they don't become inefficient because the channel is no longer efficient they become inefficient because as soon as you find something that works, everybody follows, <laughs> and particularly sure. companies like ours. And then they become inefficient because you're fighting in the same pool for the sure. same consumers. So uh, so we're constantly looking for new areas, and it would be a little silly of me to telegraph that in a podcast. <laughs> um, but, but suffice it to say that... Um, that we're both exploring, finding, and developing new channels to, to, to reach our customers. What's funny about the TV thing, too, is how many people I've heard say, you know, they spent uh, some of their media dollars on TV um, for the reasons you mentioned, but also because for many of them it was like, this feels legitimate to people. You know, when you see a brand on TV, especially in a little bit more the health and wellness space, too, that... Look, if I'm going to sell medicines, essentially, I'd, I'd like to be on TV because people trust me more, uh, which I just find fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I think that I, I, I think it, it comes back, at least in my experience, to um, just the fact that video format and long form, you, you know, video, uh, the longer you've got to communicate your message, um, the, the more... I mean, it, it kind of, it's almost like a self-fulfilling thing. The longer you've got to communicate it, the more effectively you can communicate it. You know, having little sound bites, you're picking one part of your story. You're not, you can't really, you can't really tell the story. Yeah. And, uh, and storytelling is absolutely critical in, in today's world. Um, uh, and, and I think that people like to tell stories. They like to hear stories. Um, and you know the lost art of communication is returning. It's part of the rena the, the rena renaissance that I talked about in retail. Yeah. Um, also, I think that you know there's a pushback against you know quick and easy here and now everywhere technology. People want to talk again. They want to hear stories again. And it's like it's incredibly rewarding for someone that has has gone the full cycle with it, and now it's coming back to um, you know it's 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 wonderful. I went for a coffee when I came here this morning, and um, most of the people were not looking at their phones; they were talking to each other, and yet you it's saw finally the, happening. Yeah, and you saw the occasional person. One person came in and mobile ordered, had earphones in, didn't look up, didn't talk to anybody, didn't interact with anybody, and I just thought, you know, it's a that's a sad that's a sad <laughs> reflection of um, where we where we got to. But it's the, the I think just emotionally, and um, in a, in a real sense, um, 
the world is bouncing back because yeah. um, because you know today's consumers want 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 a richer life, want want a more informed life, but they they want a life where they touch and mm -hmm. feel and talk to people. And I think to do that, you got to put technology. You got to use technology in a different way. One thing that you know, just kind of stepping back even from Lisa a little bit, but you know, you talked earlier about sort of legacy companies attempting to. I don't know, do DTC, whatever that means. Sometimes that means they're launching their own DTC brand. Sometimes they mean they're trying to work the way, you know, digitally native companies work. And there's more and more of them. I think there's certainly some very interesting things happening in consumer packaged goods right now, snacks, food. Where do you think that'll go? I'm asking you to put your speculating hat on, but do you think that there is that it is possible that you're going to see established legacy brands kind of start doing more here? And do you think that they'll be successful? Well, um, in my prior life, uh, I worked with many of the big CPG companies, and you know, in the early 2000s, they started talking and experimenting with going direct to consumer, and um, even going all the way back. I remember talking to one brand, uh, well-known brand, and they were, and I was trying to convince them even to look at digital marketing <laughs> in its early form. And no, 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 we're not going to do that. And two years later, I sat with the same person who told me 100% of their marketing is digital this year, you know. And I'm like, well, things have changed. But they, they, they didn't really change. These companies tried very hard to go direct to consumer. And, um, and they were scared, you know. A lot of them were scared of upsetting their existing channels right now. And so I think that the biggest change is going to be, and is, the, the, the biggest change is that, um, what we call legacy brands um, have lost the fear of both going direct and going through what's called traditional retail. Mm -hmm. Because the, the one word that I do believe has some real sense, and that's omnichannel. Everybody understands sure. that if you want to be successful, um, both as a product manufacturer and as a retailer, you have to carry brands that people want and you have to put your products into everywhere that people want to shop. So our strategy is, and I, and I think any company that does this and sees this, large or small, our strategy is not to be everywhere, mm. not to be omnipresent, but to be omnichannel, which means a sort of limited exclusivity in each channel. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and that includes everything from department stores to mass retailers to sure. furniture stores to sleep stores. I think you know, you're not gonna see us in every one of those, but you're likely to see us in, in most of the channels. And that includes having a few of our own stores too. Yeah, I, if it, where does kind of you know, Amazon or marketplaces fit into that? Does, if it does at all? Um, you know, we went into Amazon originally because everybody ends up on Amazon. <laughs> um, uh, I, 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 we see Amazon as an important place. Um, uh, a large number of consumers, we know how many of our consumers, I don't share it, but we know how many of our consumers and our customers um, include Amazon in their consideration process when they're buying a mattress, and it's a large amount. Equally, it's a very large amount who go into a traditional retail store as part of their consideration process. So we have to be in both of those places. And and, and then it's like, um, how do you fit the Amazon pricing model, promotional model? How do you blend that with what you're trying to do in your direct-to-consumer marketing? Mm -hmm. How do you fit that and blend it with what you're trying to do with your retail partners? So, um, you know, and, it, and it's a constant challenge. and. 
as these marketplaces change their algorithms all the time and, and, and change the way they work, because they're evolving too, we have to move with them. And, and Amazon is an important, it's not a huge part of our business, but it's an important part of our business. And, you know, the last thing I talked about when I left the office yesterday was, was Amazon and, 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 and what we're doing next with them. And yet, you know, it's not really a big part of our business, but it's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, what worries you? Um, you know, I, I think I've, uh, reached a point in, in my career, uh, you know, a fortunate point in my career, you know, I, I worry about whether, you know, first of all, I look to the future and I say, where do we want the company to, where do we want Lisa to be a year from now, two years from now, three years from now? And then, um, I, I wouldn't say worry um one of my board members doesn't allow me to use the word worry (laughs) entrepreneurs naturally um both have a vision of what success looks like and they fear that today or tomorrow could be their last day so and you never (laughs) that's where the fun is right well you never you never lose that i remember the 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 first business that i launched in america and i sold it was a four-year period and someone at the end of it said to me that must have been an incredible four years. And I said, no, it was the worst four years of my life with one great day at the end of it. And, and so, you know, what worries me is, you know, you know, are, are, are we going to get, is the team who I care greatly about, are they going to get to be the number one, the number two, are they going to win? And, and I don't know what winning means, but you know, are, are we ultimately going to get there? So we're constantly challenging our story, challenging our vision of success, and making sure that we're on that path to success. And I'd say over, over, over and above everything else, in terms of Lisa, um, that that that's what worries me. But you know, I have the same. I get up every morning with the same concerns as everybody else. You know, <laughs> um, you know, and ultimately, you know. Uh, are we improving people's lives? Is my family doing well? You know, that's that. You know, I I I wake up thinking about my children as much as I do about my business, and so <laughs> it's a tough question to ask someone what worries you because I've kind of got it under control. My business life, I'm, you know, I've I've seen a lot of great things and I've been through a lot of difficulties, and I always think, even at the most difficult times, that you know, tomorrow will be better, you know, and even when things are going great, I always think tomorrow will be better, but always concerned that maybe it won't be. And you're driven by the fear and you're driven by the vision of success. And, uh, and I think that's what makes it fun. I love ending on an optimistic note. Thank you so much for being on Making Marketing. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And that's all for today's episode of Making Marketing, a show by Digiday. Thank you for listening. Our producer is Gianna Cappadona. If you like the show, here's what you need to do. Head to your iTunes store, search for our show Making Marketing, leave us a review and a rating, hopefully five stars. It helps new listeners find us. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode.